want, you know, before I get started on to the message here tonight, I want to just give you a little, you know, a little insight as to some recent events that actually maybe brought me to this pulpit here tonight. Now, I've been a member here since uh, 2011, so I've been around a while, and I'm involved in a few odds and ends and things, and I do teach a Sunday school class, and the Sunday school class is for seniors, and, uh, you know, like, you know, 60 and up, and most all of us are really 70 and up, and some on up, and fortunately, we've lost a few this year, not to COVID, but just, you know, it's super seniors, and we've lost a few. It's a sad thing, though, and, uh, and, and them being a high-risk group for COVID-19, it's really an unknown when or if they'll be able to come back to a Sunday school. So it's just so much risk involved for them. So I really don't know whether or not there's going to be a Sunday school class or not, you know. So, uh, and I've just been on my mind a bit lately. And uh, this, this past Friday, Friday morning, which I was up for my normal early morning prayer time. That, the 5 o'clock hour every morning is my prayer time. I get up at 5 and, I'm, and I'll have between 5 and 6 for my prayer time. And then I wake my wife at 6 so we can have our Bible reading time though. But, uh, but this uh, Friday morning, I was sitting and talking to the Lord and differently than I normally pray because that was on my heart and I was praying about the Sunday school class and would it or would it not be something that I would be doing again and if it's and if it's not to be, whether it be a short while, a long while or not, not at all, is if he had something that he wants me to do, I'm willing to do it. He's just got to call on me, let me know, I trust in him. I'm not, just because I'm willing don't mean I'm necessarily ready because, that, you know, he'll call you and you're not ready, but he'll get you ready. He'll get you ready for what he wants to do, though. So and I was telling him, I told him that, and just to make it long story short, and I told him that, I'm not going the whole time. And as I said, afterwards, after I finish up my prayer time, around 6, I'll, I'll wake my wife, and then uh, as she's getting sleep out of her eyes and such, I'll sit on the sofa with my Bible or something, and I'll wait for her to come in. And while I was sitting there, I... Uh, just remembered the pastor had mentioned something. In, in my Bible, and many of you probably do a lot of the same type of stuff, I, uh, I write stuff down. You know, he'll say something. And I say, oh, I'm going to remember that, which I'm not anyway. So I'll write it down. It's something I can read. And if there's a scripture to go with it, I'll write that down where I can do a little bit more detail written. But I got a lot of little things, you know, uh, that, that he has said through the years. And, uh, and so I jot them down. And I remembered, I said, well, he said something a week or so ago. I forgot to look it up. So I got my Bible up and I looked in there and I said, oh, there it is. <laughs> Lord, what will you have me to do? And that was from the book of Acts, of course. Uh, uh, chapter 9, that was Paul on the road to Damascus. So I looked at him and I said, well, Lord, that's right in line with my prayer today. So that's great. And uh, the day passes on, long about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was up in noon and my wife and I Phone rung, pastor called me. He said, brother, I'm going to be out of town Wednesday. Would you take the pulpit Wednesday night? He said, would you preach? I said, boy, everything that took place Friday morning, pop. So what do you think I'm going to (laughs) do? You know, if you've done to ask the Lord for something and he brings it to you, you probably better ought to do it, Okay. I don't know if y'all know of a reneging prayer or not. If you can say, Lord, I didn't really mean that. I don't think so, okay? So if you prayed it and he gave it to you, you better ride it out, 
okay? <laughs> Whatever it's going to take, you better do it. So I decided I'm going to do it. So, and, and given, given the events of the day, of course, you know, I'm definitely going to obey what he says. But even when I started thinking of various subject matters, because as soon as he said it too, I thought I had one because I've kind of got a uh, Sunday school lesson pocketed just in case one of the other Sunday school teachers is out. I can drop in on a Sunday or something, you know, and I can, I can feel for him. I thought, oh, that'll be a good one. I can just talk about that, you know, going to the subject matter. But uh, then I went home and I sat down, I pulled up all my notes, started reading. I said, no, that ain't a Wednesday night. That's a Sunday morning. So I can't do that one. And I had mentioned a few to my wife, and, uh, and she said, oh, and one of them, she said, oh, I like that one. But uh, I went on to another one that I really wanted because it's uh, really something that reaches out to my Sunday school class because of what goes on. Really. And uh, it kind of breaks me up with the title. I love the title of it, you know, and it's, uh, uh, Lord, what was it? I wish I could remember what the title of it was at the moment, though. Maybe you don't want me to tell you, though. But, uh, but anyway, I guess what it amounted to, though, was, you know, dear Lord, why does it hurt so much? And, you know, it can fit everybody. There's some along that time. And, and of course, some of my members of my Sunday school class have lost spouses. We lost them and things too, you know. So, and it's been pretty hard on them. I thought that, but, but it didn't work out either. So really what I'm getting back to saying here, and thinking of all those subjects though, and the scriptures I've read and what had been come up, and the fact of what I just say, if you're going to, you better, if you're going to ask for something, you better obey him when you get it. So that left me with just one thing in mind, which was obedience. Now, remarkably enough, the pastor had said, and I went back and looked this up because once again, another memory thing come up. A few weeks back, he had said something about obedience. He talked briefly on it. And I don't remember whether it was a Sunday or Wednesday night. And he said, partial obedience is disobedience. And I had written that down. And when I wrote that down, I had uh, gone back and looked into that and thought of it as a possibility for a Sunday school class or something like that. And, uh, and I started gathering some information and scriptures and things like that. And I even wrote an email to myself and it's in my phone. You know, uh, and for me to, whenever maybe my wife and I are out, maybe we're up at Dillard's in the petite department and I'm standing over there, you know, oh man, hurry up. You know, I got something to read, you know. <laughs> you know, and I can look at that and I had that. And so I had information already put together to start fleshing out for, uh, to, to come down here for a sermon. So it definitely worked out. So I feel like the Lord led me into it though. But, but mostly one of the reasons I really wanted to emphasize that, and I know I've got to watch the clock, mostly wanted to emphasize that is uh, to encourage you know, anyone that, that may have God speaking to you about something to get involved in. I know sometimes we might have something that we got good at and we want to do it, okay? So we pursue it. But really it ain't what God was going to give you to do. You did it because you wanted it, okay? So... Usually, if you're praying about something and he has given something that's on you and you're thinking about it, maybe the pastor's preached on it or something. He's an anointed man. He tells you some stuff sometimes if you're paying attention that's useful. And you would pick up something that maybe that would be good. And you start feeling it. 
and you start taking it to the altar and praying over it, and you start feeling it, and he'll bring it to you. That is what it, what it needs. Sometimes it's hard. I know I'm, I'm a little, I don't know, thick-headed. I mean, you know, you hear a thing, you listen for the still, small voice. No, Lord's taking the banging pots and pans and ringing cowbells to get my attention because I'm just a little dense sometimes and don't hear things. But other times, he'll speak to you rapidly because I have been here at the altar before. I had one of those. And I was praying fasting, two-day fast once, and been praying for months over it, and two-day fast though. And all of a sudden, that answer hit me, and I was kneeling, and it just jerked me straight up in the air. It came. I knew what I was supposed to do at that point in time. But like I said, other times it comes different ways. So I'm just looking to encourage you. We have ministries around here that are not necessarily something big. You know, it's not like uh, man and his wife that go out and cook foods and prepare and go out and do these things. You know, Wendy, she does a lot of classes and teaching and things like this. These are callings and probably developed in them. And uh, Raquel back here teaching down here too. I've been there with her and many others around. And uh, he'll, he'll develop you for those things. You know, it, and, but there are other small things. I, I still remember now that... Uh, when I first came here in 2011, and uh, I'd been in a backslidden condition, and I'm really getting away from myself here. That wasn't in my plan. But uh, I came with my wife. She was a member already. I wasn't going to church anywhere. I was happy that way. I was living in the world, but saved and backslidden, like I said. And I, and I came in. But anyway, I ended up staying. I didn't leave after the first day. Okay? Praise the Lord. And then I joined in June. And right after that, you know, I remember praying right after I joined, you know, that Lord. I don't know what I can do, but if you got something, you know, give me that I can do. Give it to me. And uh, that Sunday night, I don't see him here, but Tyrone Montgomery, he come walking over there where I was sitting. He said, Greg, you got a collection plate in his hand. Need some help. How about taking up collection over here? I told my wife, I got something to do. <laughs> he gave me something. And I ain't let go of that collection plate since then, incidentally. I still take that up over here. And that's been, what, nine years, almost 10 now? Been doing that, though. It's just, you know, he gave it to me because I had prayed and asked for it, though. So you just believe. You pray about it. You have faith. You trust in him. And, he, and you'll see a string of events that can occur when you look back. You don't see it happening to you. But sometimes you look back and you say, oh, now I know what he did. Now I see what he did. That makes sense. No matter. Now I understand how it fell together like this simple little thing on, on Friday night, though. But there are many ministries that are simple like that. Yeah, we probably do need an usher or two, you know, once we get everything back. We do have a prayer warrior ministry that's it's a fairly simple every Sunday ministry that could use at least one more or could maybe some more people. There's, there are ministries that can take place here on Sunday mornings. We have the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the visitors where we hand out the package. Y'all might see that. You know, they, you know, they need those kinds of things, the ministry leaders always needing somebody for something like that. And they're simple. We'll call them uh, starter ministries, training wheels, whatever. You know, it'll get you going. Like I said, I asked for something to do and got a collection plate. Whoa, what am I doing up here? Okay, <laughs> you know, with a collection plate, here you go. Next thing you know, you don't know where you're going to be, though. But as I said, I'm going to talk a bit tonight about obedience. And I'm not going to have any scriptures up. I'm gonna, I got them all really written out here. And the reason for that is I really came double-barreled. I was looking for somebody to show up. I had a different sermon, true sermon. 
to go. I was going to cut this one a little short and then go into that one, but unfortunately, not here. So another day, another time. Okay, take that opportunity though. But let's get to obedience. But before I jump into obedience, let me pray to start this. Heavenly Father, come to you in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise in your blessed holy name. Thanking you, almighty God, for the opportunity given to us. Come in your house just to be able to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to praise, to pray, to worship you, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your blessings upon us, Lord. Lord, I ask you just to be with me here as I go through this, Lord, as I talk about the subject matter that you gave to me, Lord, that it will be useful to those that are sitting out here, Lord. There's someone out here, all of them, really, Lord, are going to gain from it, Lord, because I know you're talking through me, Lord, but the Holy Spirit's going to talk to them if it's got something here that they need to hear, because talking about obedience, Lord, is really talking to the, to the brothers, the sisters, the saints. In Jesus' name, I praise you and I love you. Amen, Lord. Now, obedience, like I said, I didn't, I didn't give her scriptures because depending on which way I was going, okay? When I'm going this way, I'm going to read scriptures. I got a lot of them, really, and so I'll be reading them, and there are a lot of short ones, and even the one long one's got a bunch of little bullet points in it, though. But obedience is defined as a dutiful or submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority. Dutiful. Now, using that definition, I see four elements of biblical obedience. One of them is dutiful. The other is the word submissive. The other is command. And the other one is one in authority. Now, dutiful, that word, it means it's our obligation to obey God just as Jesus fulfilled his duty to the Father by dying on the cross. Now, that's a major duty right there, what he did, but he was Jesus. He was, he was God. Submissive indicates that we yield our wills to God. We give it to him. Commands. That speaks of scriptures in which God has clearly detailed some instructions. I'm going to read some of those. Then there's the one in authority. Is, that is God himself. Of course, his, his authority is total, one and only, unequal, no other God. And for the Christian, obedience means complying with everything God has commanded and knowing it's our duty to do so. It's written here. It's the only Bible, you know. That Bible's not written in a, uh, what do you call it, a normal textbook version like man knows it. It's not written like uh, the form that man does things. It's written in a manner that only an almighty God could write. So if you ever wonder why it's like that, almighty God, it ain't made to be like what we normally know. It's like trying to understand the Trinity. All these other false religions have got their single thing to look at, but they don't know. It's hard from the grass, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, united one God all of his essence and glory, but it's a real thing. That's how he chose to reveal himself to us. He makes that decision. But what does the Bible tell us about obedience? A lot. It tells us a whole lot about it. In fact, the obedience, it's, a, it's an essential point of a Christian faith. Jesus himself was obedient. And we see that in Philippians. Chapter 2 says, being found in fashion as a man, Found in fashion as a man, meaning he walked the earth as a man. He humbled himself, 
became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. For Christians, that act of taking up the cross and following Jesus, as he stated, I'll come back to that scripture in a moment, that means obedience. And it's important for us to remember that our obedience to God is not solely as a matter of duty. Yes, we need to know it is our duty, but it's not solely that. It's not the only thing. The Bible says that we are to show our love for Jesus by obeying him in all things as he said them. We look at John 14. If you, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Pretty blunt. We obey him because we love him. Verse 23 says, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. Here it comes. And we, father and son, will come unto him who loves him and make our boat with him. Come in, live with us, reside with us. A Christian who is not obeying Christ's commands, they have to answer the questions. Now, you know, the Bible is filled with promises. I guess prosperity preachers like to preach those, and that's good. But it's also filled with warnings. We need to hear them all. And here, that was a promise. If you love him, he and my father and I will come and live within you. But a Christian not obeying Christ's command may just have to find himself one day answering a very serious question. Book of Luke, Jesus says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? That's a question I'm not going to have to answer. I'm going to make sure what little time I got left on this earth. I am not about to have to answer that question. And another thing, we have to be conscious of, be careful of, be aware of, of be, just be careful not to you to develop a false veneer, a false a facade of obedience that's really masking a heart of sin that's going on inside of us. Now, I'm really thinking of Pharisees at the time when I, when I wrote those words down, but living the Christian life, it's not all about a bunch of rules. It's not, it's not that simple or that hard either. The Pharisees in Jesus' time, they, they relentlessly pursued all kinds of acts of obedience to the law, and he became very self-righteous. They believed that they deserved heaven because of what they had done. I hope nobody here has ever gotten that far. They considered themselves worthy before God and that he owed them a reward. But the Bible tells us that without Christ, you know, the pastor says this a lot, our most righteous works are like filthy rags. The Pharisees, they had their showy external obedience. It was just being showy, lacking in sincerity and authenticity. And Jesus exposed that hard attitude within them. So we have to understand that there's a spirit of obedience is as important as the actions of obedience themselves. So we serve the Lord in humility, singleness of heart, love, and with sincerity. The hypocrisy of those Pharisees in obeying the letter of the law, they violated the spirit, the, the spirit and that characterized their lives, and Jesus rebuked them. Everybody knows this scripture well. From Matthew, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Pharisees were obedient. Yes, and very, they were very obedient in many, many respects. 
but they neglected certain important matters of the law. Now today, we're not called to obey the law of Moses. That was fulfilled by Christ. Matthew 5, he said, Think not that I come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So we are to obey the law of Christ. He stated that in Galatians, or Paul did. Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And the law of Christ, as stated by Jesus, is a new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now, Jesus stated, of course, also the greatest command of all when he said in Matthew, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul with all thy mind. And if we do love God, we will obey him. We won't be perfect in it. You're going to mess up. We'll make mistakes, errors, sin, things. But our desire is to submit to the Lord, display good works, and we love God, we obey him. When we do, we will naturally start being more inclined to loving and caring for one another. Now, another question that I brought up is why would obedience be important to God? Since once saved, already saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Uh, people like to hang their hats on that. I hear, I heard about fire insurance. I heard that word in here one time. That phrase, first time I'd ever heard it too. So I was just joking around with it though. But I told, then of course I've heard the pastor mention a few times that people do use it. But there is a very good reason for that. Of course, and obedience to God proves. It's proof. We are to prove things. It proves that our love for him is genuine, real. Our obedience demonstrates faithfulness to God. In the book of 1 John says, for this is the love of God. Now here it comes. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments, that we be obedient to him. Obedience. In, John also, and in the book of John, he also said, whosoever keepeth his word, that's God, whosoever keepeth God's word in him, that is the whoso, you, in him is the love of God perfected. God's love is perfected when we keep his word, do what he tells us to do. Because that obedience to God glorifies God in this world. What they see us do in our obedience. Having, in 1 Peter, Peter says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers. We got that going on right now. They're speaking against us as evildoers. Then it goes on to say, that they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God. That your works, your words, what you're doing from your love of God is going to glorify God in their eyes. They're going to see it. They may stand behind the cameras and tell other lies, but that's it's different. What may be coming into their heart, and tell, what are you going to do? You're trying to reach them some way. You may not convert them. The Holy Spirit takes care of that. You're just trying to reach them. And that is one thing. That is a sermon unto itself in your obedience. And obedience to God opens up avenues of blessings for us, for each and every one of us. John 13 says, this is Jesus again, if ye know these things, happy are ye, I like that word, happy are ye if ye do them, if you do what he tells us to do. And faith, faith now 
is necessary to please God. Another very blunt statement here. Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impo it is impossible to please him, to please God, without faith. Bluntly stated, no room for doubt. If our faith is genuine and true, we're going to live a lifestyle that's characterized by righteousness. We're going to be a model of the example set for us by Jesus Christ. We obey his commands, not because we have to. We do it because we want to. We want to. And the reason we want to, because we love him. He's our savior. We are enabled to, to obey. We are enabled, enabled to obey him because once we believe in Christ and we are saved, we are remade. Nothing new in this scripture. We're not the same people. Second Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So when we obey the Lord, we can then live a life of joy, a life without shame. That is without shame before God. None at all. Or anybody else, if we're, if we're giving some sort of testimony or speaking or just by the way we live our lives, nothing to be shamed at. This is something to be proud of, though. We can be rooted deeply in the Lord and confident in that eternal hope. Second Corinthians says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is in us. Our obedience is actually part of our assurance that we know God. Say that again. Our obedience is a part of our assurance that we know him, that we know God. One John, I didn't say that. Hereby, we do know that we know. Hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We are obedient. When God's children obey their heavenly father, he's glorified. Jesus told us, he told us what the plan is. As a matter of fact, in Matthew, he says, let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men that they, that's the lost, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Performing good works requires obedience to the one who calls us, Jesus Christ, to do those good deeds. A Christian's life of holiness through obedience is a strong witness to the lost that God is at work in the world every day. They might try not to look at it, but it's, it's, it's hitting them in the face over and over. And our obedience is a strong witness that he is here and he is at work, especially in the times and hard times. Psalms 128 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways, that is, walk in obedience to him. And the Bible often tells us that God blesses and rewards our obedience. Book of James, he tells us this. In the first chapter, he says, Be ye doers of the word. Doers. That's doers, action, obedience. Not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving ourselves, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. He is obedient, a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. You get blessed by being a doer of the word. Don't just sit and be a hearer of the word. I know you hear that a lot from the pastor. Just another voice, maybe saying it a different way. I don't know. And we'll talk a little bit about now. I'm going to break the obedience down two categories. Active obedience, passive obedience. Now, generally speaking, 
about the two categories, just generally speaking. Active obedience is when we obey the commands of someone else. That's active obedience. Passive obedience is a total submission to someone else, to another person, to another being, even if it might cause harm or suffering as a result of it. That's submissive obedience. Now, the two concepts are somewhat similar, but active obedience involves performance, action, doing things, doing certain deeds, where passive obedience is a non-resistant. And I'll give some examples as I go through here, though. But in reference to God, now that was just generally speaking about those two terms, but in reference to God, active obedience is seeking out his commands and setting our hearts to do them. And passive obedience is a state of ongoing surrender that says, not my will, but thine, thy will be done. Just as Jesus prayed, he prayed that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he himself. He was, that was passive, that was passive obedience to God the Father when he prayed that, and when he went to that cross. Just, that was just before his, of course, you know, before his arrest and trial. Now, Jesus also, he exemplified both active and passive obedience. And he did it at all times during his ministry here on this earth. And Christians are to rely on the Holy Spirit, who's now here within us, his power, so to help us and lift us to help us follow that example that Jesus Christ gave to us. The book of Acts, and we have the power, it says so, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And it goes on to say, to the othermost parts of the earth. That's where we are. Since then, we're at the othermost parts of the earth right now. Now, God required active obedience of the Israelites also. And that was in the Old, in the Old Testament. The active obedience that he required of them <coughs> was detailed, very difficult. You know, God, God wanted them to realize that they, that they couldn't be righteous enough by themselves to deserve his mercy and grace. So he was, and what he was doing was setting the stage for the entrance of his son, Jesus Christ, who was coming. He was on the way, and he was going to fulfill every letter of the law. In the book of Matthew, we know the scripture here too. I say we know some of these because we hear them in Easter play all the time. And I hear them a lot because I'm practicing up here with it, though. But Matthew 5, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, it was through the active obedience of Jesus that he fulfilled the law's requirements in total. As he said in uh, John 8, he said, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do. That's action, active. I do always those things that please him. He's doing it. We are to follow that example. Now, it was through the passive obedience of Jesus that he submitted himself to that cruel and unjust treatment that he went through with the beatings. And he did it all because it was the will of God. That's what he was sent here for. Father, Son, Holy Spirit sent him to this earth. They sent him. He was oppressed. This was Isaiah, and of course, this is a prophecy. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. You hear that on the, uh, the narrative that goes on during the Easter play. And the Bible never uses the terms active or uh, passive obedience. You don't see that, the word obedience. And there's a lot of other things that apply to it, but you don't use the terms. But the biblical descriptions of Jesus' passion emphasizes his passivity. In 1 Peter, it says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, a Christian is to remain us, 
Christians, we are to remain in a constant state of passive obedience to God. I mean, God, passive obedience to God. So if you got somebody pulls that over, don't you turn your own, don't you have to turn your other cheek? Sometimes, sometimes not. But we are passive all the time to our Lord and Savior, our Heavenly Father. And walking in the Spirit, the book of Galatians says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit, that means that we are staying sensitive. We're sensitive to and we're aware of the leading of Jesus Christ and what he's telling us. And we respond the way he wants us to as walking in the Spirit. So when hardships come upon us, we are expected to endure them, persevere through them. We know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. What's the last one? Don't drink liquor. Those things. Forgot that word. Skipped out of my mind. But we are to we, we are to persevere through hard times. We are to endure through hard times. James 1 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So, temptations. We live in the knowledge that God is going to work everything out together. He's going to work everything together for our good. We know the scriptures in Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, speaking of us, all of us, the saved. So when we are wronged and we've got these things and these hardships coming against us, we are expected to give it to him. He says in Romans, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, I will repay saith the Lord. So we know that God is at work in our lives and we are to give him free reign to accomplish whatever he wants of us. Book of Galatians chapter 6 says, let us not be weary in well-doing. So don't give up just because you're not seeing a lot of fruits for your efforts. You don't give up. You keep pouring it out. I'm sure, well I know it is because I I have opportunity to deliver the gospel down here in the uh, Judgment Journey tents. And yeah, when you get a group of 60, 70 people there and you poured it out for about, it's only got six or seven minutes to do it, poured it out, and nobody is raising their hand for salvation. We just got to be thrilled to death that you got a good crowd there. But you do not, you do not give up on it though. We know he's there, so we get him, keep working, he'll do it. We don't get worried on it in well-doing, but in due season, because we're going to reap it. It'll come another time, another day. It will come. I still remember, I was, I was in part of a, uh, part of a uh, ministry going over to uh, Detox, which is a drug and alcohol uh, ministry that we had. We'd present the gospel. And I was, only, I was in it three years. I was able to go maybe 45 times those three years. But unfortunately, the season ended. They closed the place and moved it away. Okay, so, you know, we lost the ministry from that, though. But there were times, I mean, you'd have a lot of folks, five, six, eight, praying with you for salvation. And sometimes you go in there and you feel like you didn't pour it out and 
Not a one comes through. But, you know, there are lost souls over there, too, trying to dry out and detox from those things also. So in Galatians, he says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up. Philippians says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I was speaking mainly at that time about passive obedience. So we have to know that it's, that's only half the responsibility. God has specific commands that he wants us to obey, things that he wants us to do. I've been emphasized many times, and many of them are going to be contrary to what we might naturally choose to do, like the one about the vengeance that I just read. But Jesus told us in the book of Luke, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. Told you earlier, I'd come back to that scripture. That's the command. It's a command to take action. Take up that cross. Follow him. Do what he says. Thessalonians, Paul gives a, Paul here, he gives us a list of commands to the church that requires active obedience. I'm going to run through these. He says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. There he's speaking of our deacons and the people, the leaders of our church, of the church. Them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace. Esteem them highly. I'll stop there for just a minute. You know, we have people that we voted in as deacons and things as church. So support them. Get out of the way. Let them lead. Let them do what they're there for. We got a pastor. We got a staff. We got deacons. Get out of the way. We voted them in. They got things to do. And the pastor's got a lot planned for them coming up too, I understand. This goes on, Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be action, be patient toward all men. These are actions. See that none, none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all. Rejoice every more. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Quench. That means not doing what you're supposed to do. Quenching the spirit. Now, you can grieve the spirit by doing what you're not supposed to do. But you, you say here, don't quench the spirit by not doing what you're supposed to do. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast. That is, prove all things. That is, assure that you understand what's being told to you, what's being preached to you. That, go, that doesn't mean go doubt everything that the pastor might say. You go in there and you prove it to where you understand what it is, So. And abstain from all appearance of evil. And when you're out listening to some of these other prosperity preachers, we're here because we know that we are, we got a, we got a good shepherd here with or without pastor. We know we got somebody that's anointed. But many others, not necessarily so much. They're good at what they do, but they're good at, if they was out making a living, going around from business to business, doing uh, consultant work too. And that's usually what they really are more than they're preachers. Now that's it's a little critical and i got a lesson on that, too. I'll go read it to myself. That's not a complete list, but it demonstrates that the Christian life requires performing certain actions. Now, as I close up here, with Jesus, he's our perfect model, and the Holy Spirit, he's our strength. We're required, required to pursue a life of both passive and active obedience. It takes both of them to fulfill commands in the Bible. Now, sometimes passive is going to fill one, active is going to fill another. Sometimes it takes both. I picked a good one. Paul, he says in the book of Romans, if it be possible, see, he's even starting, if it be possible, 
as much as life in you. Here it comes. Live peaceably with all men. That takes all the obedience and long-suffering that you can muster up, especially in our society here today, to live peaceably with all men. Passive obedience, to break it down, closing it out, it overlooks wrongs, the wrong things done. It leaves the judgment to God. Don't worry about it. Active obedience, it seeks ways for you to do good, and it seeks ways for you to avoid doing evil, following the word. When we live this way, we glorify our Father in heaven just like he expects us to. So let's close up. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, come to you once again today in the name of my Lord Jesus Christ. Praising your blessed holy name. Loving you, almighty God. Thanking you. You are wonderful, almighty God. Lord, it's a wonderful time to come to this house. Speak to you, Lord. Speak to the people that were able to be here. Speak to those that are watching through live stream, Lord. Pray, Lord, I know your, your word never leaves and it doesn't come back void. Somebody's going to get reached. Holy Spirit's going to speak to somebody. Somebody's going to hear about obedience. Somebody's going to react to it. Think about it more. Read about it more. So, Lord, I pray that you'll help each one of them to be strong and stand, to stand in this world. Stand in that gap, Lord. Fight against the evil that's constantly coming against us. And Lord, as these people now, all of them here, those watching on live stream, as they go out into this tonight, the rest of the week, Lord, I pray a blessings upon them, Lord. Bless every one of them. Good health. Bring happiness to their lives. Peace. Bring them joy. Bring them prosperity. I pray you keep them safe. We'll see them all again Sunday morning. Love you, God. Praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.